but we're seeking to bolster and reaffirm our core beliefs. Last week, we began looking at the content of the Nicene Creed. We're going to continue that for the next few weeks. This week, we begin to look at Jesus, the Son of God. Our text for today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. So go ahead and, and turn there, and then if you're able to stand, go ahead and stand and follow along as I read. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. We confess again, Your Word is truth, and we're grateful for it. We pray that You help us through it, Lord. And through this time, we pray that You'd be glorified and honored. In Christ's name, amen. And have a seat. Well, the section of the Nicene Creed that we're focusing on this morning says this, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. Now, the primary difference between the Apostles' Creed, which we're going to look at next after the Nicene Creed, and the Nicene Creed is the additional uh, additional section that was expanded on that has to do with the relationship between Jesus and the Father. The reason for that section is because the chief concern of the council was to defend the true divinity of of the Son against the false teaching of Arius. We're going to see through the discussion of this section that we're looking at today how they purposefully combated and refuted Arianism. Now, Arius regarded salvation as this upward movement of the soul toward God. And he saw the Son, Jesus, as a figure between God and humanity who could help us in that ascent. He believed that the Bible's teaching on creation from nothing, the teaching that um, the Bible says that everything outside of God was created by God, he believed that that teaching meant that even the Son had to be created. 
He took Origen's belief that the son was lower than the father to its logical conclusion. So, if there really was a hard line between God, the uncreated, and everything else which is created by God, then it, it would seem that the son would have to be underneath that line, a creature created by God. Arius wrote a letter to Alexander, the bishop of Alexandria, and part of that letter reads like this, we acknowledge one God, the only unbegotten, the only eternal, the only one without cause or beginning, the only true, the only one possessed of immortality, the only wise, the only good, the only sovereign, the begetter of His only Son before endless ages, through whom He made both the ages and all that is, begetting Him not in appearance but in truth, giving Him subsistence by His own will, begetting Him immutable and unchanging, the perfect creation of God, the Son, timelessly begotten by the Father, created and established before all ages, did not exist prior to His begetting, begetting, but was timelessly begotten before all things. He alone was given existence directly by the Father, for He is not eternal or co-eternal or equally self-sufficient with the Father. So to put it simply, Arius believed that Jesus was pre-existent like angels, but not eternal and not co-equal with the Father. I mentioned before, the motto of Arius was, there was a time when He was not, He being the Son. And so the council in Nicaea is addressing this heresy. The issue was whether there was once a time when there was no Son, and therefore whether the Son was eternal or not. Arius clearly believed that there was once when there was no Son. For Arius, the word begotten and the word created were synonymous. And therefore the begotten created one must somehow be after the one who created him. But either the Son is Creator, and therefore He is the Savior and deserving of our worship, or He is created, a creature like us. And if that's true, then it is blasphemy to worship Him beside God. And so let's look at the Creed through the lens of Colossians 1 and other texts as well. The Creed, the Nicene Creed, professes the Lord Jesus Christ to be the Son of God, begotten of the Father, and the only begotten. Now, these are all biblical statements. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse John 4, 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is is the Son of God. God abides in Him, and He in God. Acts chapter 13, verse 33, this, is, uh, this He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my Son. Today I have begotten you. 
Hebrews 5, 5, so also Christ did not exalt Himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by Him who said to Him, you are My Son, today I have begotten you. John chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 3, verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That Jesus is eternally begotten, not made, means that He did not emanate. He was not created. He was not a a piece of divine stuff that broke away from a divine fullness in some way. He had no beginning. When John uses the language begotten in his writing, he's saying that divinity is intrinsic to the person of Jesus. It is natural to him. His begottenness is eternal. There was not a time when He was not the Son. Jesus, the Son, is the fully divine Son who shares fully and equally in the Father's divine nature. So let's look at Colossians 1, beginning with verse 15. Paul writes there, He... He's talking about Jesus there, the Son. He, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Just as the members of the Council of Nicaea were laying out in the creed, Jesus, the Son, is fully God. Paul says He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. That Jesus is the firstborn doesn't make him a created being. That's not what Paul is writing there. To call someone firstborn is to say something of their primacy in rule or their preeminence in role and their priority in their ranking. Jesus is, as firstborn of creation, the appointed authority over all creation. Firstborn emphasizes the priority of Jesus' rank as over and above creation, not over and above the rest of creation. That's not what Paul's saying. As if Jesus was a part of that creation, but over and above creation. Verse 16, for by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through Him and for Him. Jesus, the Son, created all things. And also, Paul is saying in this verse, is the goal of that creation. All things were created by Him, and all things were created for Him. He is the goal. Every single thing was created for what? To give glory to the Son, Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is God in the flesh. Verse 17 continues. 
and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Christ is eternal. The Son is eternal. He is before all things. He is not a created being. He has eternally existed as part of the Trinity and is the agent through whom all things were created. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He holds everything together. In Him, all things hold together. You contemplate the glory of that. Verse 18, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. As firstborn from among the dead, Jesus is head of a new heavenly kingdom that in everything He might be preeminent. What does that mean? It means to hold the highest rank. Christ, the Son, is supreme above all else. He is first place. You examine your own life and see where Christ falls, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. He is first. Now, it matters for you. It matters for me, but it doesn't affect him in any way in his ranking. He is preeminent. He reigns. He is first over all. And then verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And we're going to land here for a bit. In the creed, they say that Jesus is God from God. If we need an analogy, the next phrase in the creed helps us. It's like light. How can you separate light from light? You cannot. It's an impossibility. And neither can the Father and the Son be separated. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The language in the creed, light from light, comes from biblical language about the radiance of God's glory. Psalm 104, verses 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. One commentator writes concerning this, the relationship of the Son to the Father is akin to the glory of God radiating in the person of the Son. Creed continues, very God of very God. He is not made or created or a product of the true God. Jesus, the Son, is the true God. Not a product of the true God. But getting to that point in the creed, that was not enough 
It wasn't sufficient language to satisfy the defense of orthodoxy. Athanasius was at the council as a deacon in the service of Alexander, and he later recounted that up to this point, the Arians were all still on board. They're nodding. The Arians, the Arians he wrote, were caught whispering to each other and winking with their eyes that like and always and power and in Him were as before common to us and the Son. And so, something more had to be added to defend orthodoxy, right belief, even if it could not be stated using only biblical terminology. Something was needed that would settle once and for all that the divinity of Jesus is the divinity of the Father, one and the same. And so it was agreed to make it clear that this Jesus is forever and eternally one substance with the Father. One substance with the Father. By insisting that the Son is one substance with the Father, the Arian view is rejected and the council affirmed that the Father is not more God than the Son. God is God in Trinity. Now, that doesn't at all mean that this statement is written and announced and then Arianism just kind of floated away and disappeared, never be heard of again. No, it continued on, drawing people away from the truth of the Trinity and specifically the person of Jesus, the Son of God. We see it played out still today. The Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, were in each of these, the Son is believed to be a created being. The creed is stating that the Son is from the Father's substance or essence means that He is begotten, bearing the same characteristics or attributes as the Father. Bearing the same characteristics or attributes as the Father. Jesus says in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. He's speaking to the disciples and specifically to Thomas in John 14. And he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? One substance with the Father. The word substance was intended to mean that whatever made God, God the Son was the same in that way. We are works that God makes. Christ is the Son whom God has begotten and thus He is not made. He is the one through whom all things came to be rather than one of the things that came to be. 
We're going to see moving forward, He became like us when He came down and became incarnate. But He has always been. One of the texts that highlights this is Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. You can flip a page back if you want to follow along as I read it. Philippians 2, beginning with verse 6 and the two words prior to verse 6. Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, we're going to look at most of the truths of this text and, and the rest of the truths of Colossians 1 next week. But we often go to this text in Philippians as a reminder of Christ, but also a reminder of what we as followers of Christ are called to. Just before what we read, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And so we look to that and remind ourselves, okay, do nothing out of selfish ambition. And then following that, in humility, count others more significant than yourself, Tony. The hope and even assurance that this mindset is possible is because our rescuer, Jesus Christ, accomplished what we can't. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to describe the Son of God. And we, we have to notice there, because it's what we're focusing on this morning, it's something that those who came together at Nicaea were speaking to proclaim in verse 6. Though He, the Son, Jesus, was in the form of God. Though He was in the form of God. Now, what does that mean? One commentator, one commentator puts it this way. It seems to stand in parallel with equal with God, which together suggests the outward display of God's being and glory and designates an expression of the inward reality of the divine nature. In other words, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being in, of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. This Jesus, this Son, God in the flesh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now listen, He already possessed equality with God and refuse to use it in a self-promoting way. He already possessed equality with God and refused to use it in a self-promoting way. But as God, a person of the Trinity from all eternity, He chose to make Himself 
nothing. To come and rescue us. That's the focus of where we'll be next week. Let's consider that as we move into a time we, where we take the Lord's Supper together. God. God from eternity past and yet made Himself into a servant. He took on flesh, came to us, dwelt with us, endured the consequences of sin for us, even though He had never sinned, so that you and I could know what true joy is, so that we could have right belief, so that we could know truth, so that we could know God. Because the Father and the Son are one substance, as the creed confesses, we can also be assured that we actually know God in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. So when we look on Jesus, we look on God the Father. You think about that. Without that confidence that Jesus the Son is God, united in substance with the Father, we could not be sure that Jesus can speak for God, forgive sins for God, declare righteousness for God, or do anything to make us children of the Father. But that's the hope that we do have. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. Oh, that we might confess with faith what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11. He says that as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup together, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. That we might proclaim in faith, we believe that God took on flesh and dwelt among us. That He was crucified, His body literally broken and His blood literally poured out for the forgiveness of our sins that He was raised from the dead and ascended to the Father in heaven, and that we wait for His return where He will take us to be with Him, God, forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. You are good and You do good. And You've revealed Yourself through the Son, Jesus. We praise You. We thank You for Your love for us. We ask that you'd help us even as we move into a time where we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Lord, help us. If there's any here who do not yet know you, Lord, I pray that you would just help them to ponder. Instead of taking the, the bread and taking the cup, Lord, I, I pray that they would just consider the greatness of who you are and, and the truth of who you are. 
that today they would partake of you. Father, for those of us who know you as we come and we take the bread and we take the cup, Lord, help us to remember rightly who you are, God, from all eternity, God, and that you put on flesh, that you dwelt among us, that you were crucified, that you were buried, that you were raised, that you ascended to the Father, that you reign forevermore, and that you're coming to take us to be with you. Father, help us to remember rightly in Christ's name. Amen.